Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hola, socios. Hola, equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh. Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of The Big Interview. Hi, this is Taylor from Shenzhen, China, and I am a socio of The Big Interview. My favorite episodes are the weekly insights from La Liga. Living out in China, I can't keep up with the league I love because of the kickoff times and the fact that it's just not covered out here. It's not very popular, which is very, very sad. And Graham and his insight really helps me to stay in touch with the league I love and the football I love. Hello, this is the big interview at the World Cup. My name is Neil White. This is a detour from my usual World Cup content. Today, we're looking at how this World Cup is being covered in the media by Graham, by the Spanish media, and on TV and radio back home. So, I want to start with a pop quiz. Come on! Nine former big interview guests, punditing slash co-commentating for British television and radio at this World Cup. Now, clearly you haven't seen any of our coverage... But would you like to take a run at naming them? Well, obviously, we've talked about one of them, Slaven. Okay, Slaven makes it. That's one. So, Slaven, I'd imagine that... All right, I'm going to say uh, Neville, Phil, Gary, Slaven. Um, so, you're going to have to, probably going to have to help me. We have a member of Argentina, one player from Republic of the Ireland, and one from the northern of the Island. Ah, uh, Kev, Kevstar, Kevstar. Uh, I, I, I should have actually known that we, Zaba, uh, was doing it because I saw somebody talking about Zaba. And who else did you say? Oh, Michael. Michael O'Neill. There we go. He's in. Which leaves you with three Englishmen, all internationals. Um, Big Butch. Okay. Um, Big Terry. That was a great interview, man. Chrissy, Chrissy Egg Sniper Waddle. And uh, you're going to have to give me the last one. Chris Sutton. Oh, of course I should have said Chris. I. Okay, the reason we started with this is that we've had several questions from our socios, the members of our supporters trust at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Okay, Richard Cook, hello and thank you, Richard, says he's been frustrated with the studio format of three or four talkers each getting 30 seconds at a time to make a point. Richard says Gary Neville's wasted in this format, who... I guess Richard, like us, is used to seeing Gary take a game to pieces and put it back together again on Sky. So he asks, how would you, Graham, cover a World Cup game on television, I guess from a production angle? I think he's talking about format, but I'm going to stretch that out and ask you to also name your favourites for each role. So commentator, co-commentator, anchor, pundits, the whole shooting match. What, how would you arrange the coverage of one of these games from Russia? Complicated question. Um... The first thing I'd like to say is that, you know, I agree with your point in that it doesn't matter how brilliant you are at breaking down football or showing your knowledge. If you're given 25, 30 seconds, then it's a piece of nonsense. A lot of people take time to hit their, hit their run up. A lot of people want to make developed points. And I think one of the great beauties uh, of 
Sky, and I, I met um, Jeff Shreves here and said the same to him, and I actually introduced it by saying, listen, the debate on Sky is, is very, very good. And I told him so because it's yet another product from Sky where they've, they've kind of done what I value, which is ask people not to be um, playing to the camera. Ask people to, to go on the show who are bright and who are interested and who are not there to be famous or to augment their fame, but who will properly debate issues, talk things through. Now, at the end of it, you can agree or disagree, but what you've heard is something of substance, something of worth, something that goes against the, you know, I'm, I'm mad as hell and I'm, I'm not going to stand for it anymore to sort of, um, that whole idea about TV as bubblegum, I'm not having it. And I think, um, Cookie, that's what you're talking about. So Neil made a point earlier on in this podcast that um, I'm not watching any of the UK's coverage at all. I can barely get time, craft out time to properly watch other games rather than our own because of the massively extended timetable we've got here, how much time we spend waiting, um, how much time we spend trying to second guess when Spain are going to accede to our needs, blah, blah, blah. And also traveling. We're driving an hour to and from training when games are on. Anyway, um, if, if, I, if I were ITV, for example, and I knew that I had an absolutely complete commitment to the advertising break, then I would want, in terms of presenters, three of my favorites are, are Ed Chamberlain, um, Mark Chapman and, and Pugach. And um, I think the world of them, because each of them seems to blend brilliantly. They're sort of busquets, I think, in that unless you stop and watch and think about how they link and work and how they make things flow, then it's very easy to miss them. And I think that repeatedly what you get from them is the role first, but the character uh, seeping into their performance and not exclusively, not exclusively those three and nobody else, but they stand out for me. And for example, I think my pal Scott Minto is probably not working on this World Cup, certainly not UK um, terrestrial, but he's very good in that he's bright and he pays attention to the answers that he gets back to his questions. So Richard's point was, who do I have hosting? Then it's one of um, those three. Pugach, Chapman, um, or Ed Chamberlain. And given that Ed's at racing, maybe it's down to Pugach or Chapman. I, I think very highly of each of them. Let's not uh, waste a whole lot of time on um, Gary Neville, but um, that's because my views on him are well known. He's tremendously thoughtful and he's front-footed, he's aggressive. He has things to say. He has a mix of what he sees analytically and what he can draw from his own career. And I think that if you're a footballer of uh, worth, what you must be able to do is apply and speak vocationally and draw out the, 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 the juices in the meal that, that we might not be fully aware of. And I think he does that all the time. I like Duffer very much indeed because when Duffer began to, to show that he's much less shy than people uh, think he is. What I think made the hair stand on the back of the neck when I think it was RTE who began him, again, he's very direct. It feels like a halftime talk from a, a dressing room leader. If, if Damien is, is um, impressed or unimpressed or has a key point to make, 
he he isn't thinking about the camera or his agent or his sponsor. What he's bringing to us is again, you know, vitamin B that we don't get otherwise. He gives us something that no matter how hard we try, no matter how uh, committed to football analysis we are, no matter how bright we think we are, we haven't done it like him. Uh, we haven't been at that level. And and you get back uh, the years of experience. And so I, I must say I'm a, I'm a very avid listener uh, to him. Of those who, that you've mentioned, uh, Kev Coban is, is, is bright and diligent. And I think Kuki was asking, like, you know, who would be my, my dream team? Okay. So we, without doing a full list of them, if I know I'm sitting down to listen to or watch Chapman or Pugac on television, and here's, here's, here's a bunch of roses to Ian Wright. He is as, you know, clear-cut, as interesting, as forthright, as, as he, to compare him to, to the striker that he was in terms of different, fresh, challenging... And I would now go out of my way to find Ian Wright and listen to him. And everybody changes, I think, on television a little bit. I certainly do. Um, but when you see somebody who can be more or less themselves on television and has a brain and wants to say things, then to me that, that's, that's magical. Um, you know, that'll do for me. If I have a panel where I have Gary Neville and where I have maybe um, Ian Wright and I have Pugach or Chapman, and maybe after that, um, Roy Keane is, is just like, it's like the fire in your fireplace. And you, once you let your eyes gaze, you, you can't draw your gaze away because you, you are waiting for Roy to be Roy. Um, in terms of what I want from my panel, I, I want much livelier debate. I want much more vested in it. I can live without Smolder. And therefore, I rate Kevin Caban's intelligence very highly indeed. And I also don't mind a pundit who will argue with his fellow pundits, not for the show, not for the prominence or the headlines, but because if if they've got something to say and they, they think the other pundit is wrong, then I want to hear that. And Martin O'Neill's very good at that. You know, whether I, again, whether I agree with everything Mark says or not, if he doesn't agree with somebody, he'll just come out and say it. And I've been at a dinner table with Martin and Walter Smith and Frank Lampard and Bill Blood, the um, the Chelsea physio, Steve Cutner, Ian McGarry and myself. And I sat at a table listening to Martin O'Neill telling Frank Lampard about all the things he didn't like about his game. And, this, and it didn't go down particularly well, but Martin didn't hold back and just went, well, here's what I've got to say. Now, again, that'll make good television for me. But I like um, honesty, I like intelligence, I like people who are willing to do their work before the game. And at, and at that point, um, Richard, you, me, Neil, and everybody listening, benefits. I think I'd go along with you with Chapman in the studio. For my tastes, he's very good and seems to get better. On the radio, I really like um, hearing Pat Nevin on COCOMs. I think I could do that more on television too. Um, and in the studio... I think Frank Lampard's getting really good. Gary Neville's obviously the best. And I really like listening to Slavin Bilic and I like Martin O'Neill. In fact, those two have been at it quite a bit between them on ITV during this World Cup. But they both are uh, willing to have heated arguments around points of performance. Because of what we've seen with Jamie Carragher, um, Gary Neville, uh, Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, uh, it's the best era ever. 
for football analysis on television. And and by a massive distance. I, I remember, and I've told this a little bit before, but I remember I got friendly with Gianluca Vialli when he was at Chelsea. And he gets the sack. And I said, what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to go back to Italy and I'm going to re-educate them about what football punditry is about. He said, because in this country, you've got Andy Gray um, standing up there with a sort of technical chalkboard explaining a game. He said, all we do in Italy is hammer referees or hammer defences. Was the referee bought? Was he, was he bent? Was he stupid? Was he slow? And the defence. If, if somebody's won, let's say Juve or Inter, 1-5-1, where did that one goal come from? What the hell was that all about? And he said, we're negative, we're corrosive, we're vile. And I said, I want to do for Italy what Andy Gray's done for the UK. And he had a point at that stage uh, because there were very few ex-pros who were breaking the game down. And I think that for those who are younger than, well, either you or me, which is a, a big age gap already, those people who've grown up in this year, I don't know how lucky they are, that we that television is giving resources and technology to making the game clearer, breaking it into its facets, elongating and investing in the debate. You know, it's like we're being treated like players, Neil. And I, I think that's ultra, ultra valuable. It's, it's golden age. It genuinely is all-time golden age of sports analysis in this in in the UK, and it, and it's beginning to resemble the the great great um, levels that some North American sports reach in terms of their studio analysis and predictive analysis. Okay, let's take a break there. Still to come, we take the temperature of the Spanish media in relation to their national team, and how does Graham Hunter handle a live TV interview with Andres Iniesta in Spanish? Okay, we have another question sort of around the media from a socio, Ian Arnott. Graham, although you're fluent and have worked really hard on your Spanish over the years, it's your second language, or third if you count the Doric. How much more pressure does it add continually speaking Spanish, especially in stressful situations on live television? It's, I suppose it's time for um, frankness. And the other day when I had Iniesta for an interview... Uh, just just to change my bowling, I said, hello, Andres, how are you? And he was like, fine, um, we're not doing this in English, are we? I was like, English? English? He said, I, I'm still struggling to master English. It's a shit joke, but he laughed. He loved it. He gave me a little wink. And it's crap that like that that makes them happy to come and talk to me, trusting that it's not just straight up and it's not just gives a story, there's a little bit of mucking about when it comes to to me. But I do feel that, you know, my my, my command of English is a bit higgledy-piggledy. I reach for, um, I, th- I throw the jigsaw puzzle up in the air and, and let the pieces land where they fall in terms of how I speak in, in my <clears throat> first language. And boy, oh boy, it's worse in Spanish. So there are some players, it's so funny. Um, I, I keep quite a good poker face when I'm working. I know that I sound expressive and it sounds like everything comes out in one big vomit uh, with me, but that's not how I act when I'm in serious mode. And therefore, my face is deadpan and straight and I begin speaking Spanish to some players. And there's a little point above your nose, 
and between your two eyebrows, if next, so, so, next time you're looking in the mirror, just look for that point. So that when you frown, everybody talks about the frown coming from the eyebrows, but the actual point where you can see a frown is just above the part where your nose juts out of your skull and where the two eyebrows meet. And the Spain, some Spain players, you can see as soon as I, before I utter a word in Spanish, you can see the little frown starting to go like, am I going to understand this? It's because they're very, it's, Spain in general is still less accustomed to foreign languages even than, than we are in the UK. And therefore, in some people, there's an immediate, um, if this is a foreigner speaking my language, probably I'm not going to understand them before there's even a word being uttered. So you have to heard all that and, and, and keep on going and plough through. And Ian, yes, I make mistakes. There's no question I make mistakes. And I get through the conversations sometimes with preparation. Sometimes I get through them because the player knows me and knows what I'm asking, knows what I want to get to. And sometimes <laughs> I just get through it with momentum. <laughs> just if you go really fast and barrel people out of the way in a conversation, sometimes you get to where you need to be. Okay, last one on the media is from Socio Ben, who wants to know what the Spanish media's take on the team's performance so far has been, how they view the challenge of Russia coming around the corner. I guess if we did a James Richardson tribute act with the Spanish sports papers today, what would the mood be? Hello, Socio Ben. Look, I, I suppose there's very little point in me saying what I've said up until this point and then mincing my words. I like a lot of the people in the Spanish media that I mix with. I really do. But there are three or four. And what you see from them is what's called prepotencia. They think they are smarter than the, the Spanish football players. They think they are bigger than. They think they're an institution which has more power, more oomph than the Spanish national football team. And therefore, what you get when the performances have been... Let, let, let's all you know confront the truth. The, the performances have been bumpy. They got one win by one goal against Iran and two draws against Portugal and Morocco. So the facts say they're group winners and they face a team, Russia, who, albeit that they drew 3-3 last November with Russia, on paper, Spain must be slight favourites. Actually slight because Russia are on a roll where they can score goals. They got pumped by Uruguay, but... First two games, they look fluid, they look quick, they're athletic. They possess some of the things that Portugal and Iran and Morocco used to make Spain uncomfortable. So let, let's just, in my view, it's a sort of maybe 60-40, 55-45 kind of sketch on Sunday in the Luzhniki. But you cannot hide the fact that there have been really bad errors. Uh, you can't hide the fact that well, I know, and I'm broadcasting to you, that there's a total mismatch between what I see in training and what they're producing on the pitch. And that's for wiser men or women than me to say, um, I know what's going to happen. The, the positive side will definitely come out. So instead of the performances being a roadmap for what's to come, the training is a roadmap for what's to come. Well, I, I wish I could tell you that for sure. Sometimes I genuinely am proud of the things I've been able to say in advance about football because I have a decent pair of eyes and a decent head, you know, no more than that. And right now, I, I must confess, I don't know 
whether what we're going to see against Russia and potentially in the quarterfinals, it, it relates to the you know the ridiculous moments uh, against Portugal or against Morocco when goals were just given away. Or what we're going to see is the robust, intense, clever, funny, quick, technical football that I'm, I'm seeing in training. So... Um, that's a backdrop to what I, I dislike about the Spanish media. They, there is huge amounts to like in that they're analytical, they talk about football, they break tactics down. They do very, very good interviews. But they they like to put the boot in, and quickly. It was the same, if you remember, in 2010. When, well, let's go back to 2008. The Spanish press were ringleaders of the of the fans' booing Spain all round the country, particularly in the last two games, which I think were 1-0 wins against at least America. And pff, I can't remember if it was another South American side um, before they went to Euro 2008. And, you know, the press was gleefully reporting on the hysteria from the fans that, you know, despite being unbeaten since November 2006, uh, Spain are shit. And then in 2010, if you remember the defeat against Switzerland in the first match, there was coruscating criticism, not just of the defeat, but of the idea that it was in any way sensible to have Xabi Alonso and Busquets in the same team. And there was an avalanche of criticism, which did not go away until probably after the Paraguay game. So there you go. Spain's press have been putting the boot in, is the answer, um, uh, to Ben Socio. And I think it's been illegitimate. Danny Carvajal gave a press conference today and said, listen, you've you've taken potshot at us in the wrong way at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. We can be better. We have made mistakes. We need to improve. But the the, the doing that we've been given isn't fair. So I I stand with Danny Carvajal on it, Neil. That's my point of view. And Ben, that's the best answer that I've got. It might not be the best answer, but it's the one I've got. Okay, that's our show. We'll be back tomorrow with a look back at the final round of group games and Graham will be on the move again to Moscow. Remember, you can support this podcast in a number of ways. Leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps other people discover the podcast. If you're the shaving kind, you can get £4 off your Gillette razors by going to trygillette.com forward slash big interview. And there's a case of free craft beer waiting for you if you go to beer52, that's the word beer, the number 52.com forward slash big. Finally, you can join our supporters trust at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and instantly unlock hours and hours of extra exclusive content. And keep us on the road for a new season of Big Interviews coming soon. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.